And we've been going through all semester long, we've been talking about faith, different aspects of faith. And last week we talked about messy faith, how we are messy and jacked up and we have issues, yet God still loved Jacob. God called Jacob. God used Jacob in a powerful way. Well, today we're going to kind of continue that theme of messy faith, and it'll take me a little bit to get there, but I think you'll see it. Starting in verse 1 of Mark chapter 2, it says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there, there was no more room, even outside the door. And so while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head, and then they lowered the, mat on, lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith. Say that with me. Seeing their faith. One more time. Seeing their faith. Whose faith? Their faith. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sons are forgiven. Nudge your neighbor and say, their faith. Nudge your neighbor and say, their faith. That's where we're going today. If you're in the comment, in the, in the online, put in there, put in their faith in the comments. Their faith. I, I, re, I know this story. I've read it. It's, it's, uh, I've taught it several times. But what always stands out to me, it almost seems like theologically incorrect here, but Jesus, seeing their faith, looks at the man and says, your sins are forgiven. There's, there's something happening here. This man's greatest healing, his salva- moment of salvation, as well as a miraculous physical healing, his friends played a huge role in that. And I want to I wanna unpack this a little bit today. There were some different ma- difference makers in the room. And, and I asked people, you know, hey, who were some difference makers in your life? Who were some people that you admire that helped shape your, uh, your faith and they impacted you? And, and for some of you, uh, maybe it was a family member. For some of you, maybe it was a mentor. By just a random question, how many of you gave your life to Jesus um, at an age younger than 18? How many, if, you, if you said yes to Jesus, look at that. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. That is a significant chunk of people. That is why we will invest in the next generation and make it a top priority and value in our, in our church. Because God gets a hold of so many people at a very young age. And we recognize that, value that, and we don't underestimate what, what Mr. Seth and Freedom Kids are doing about teaching uh, Jesus on their level and what that means. And so for us, that's always going to be a high priority. These were difference makers. People who had, who had uh, spent time... Um, um, with this person. And today I want to I learn four lessons from friends of a paralytic. Seeing their faith 
my son, your sins are forgiven. Now, a lot of us, we can get nervous about this because when it comes to sharing our faith, uh, if you're like me and I'm the pastor, I tense up at that. <laughs> Anxiety, uh, chest kind of tightens, you know, I'm thinking, oh no, I got to go door to door. I'm going to be a weird Jesus freak or, you know, all these sorts of like, oh, I, I just, I can't do that, right? Well, listen, I want to try to break that down a little bit today, but you don't have to be ashamed of the gospel. You, you don't have to be ashamed about Jesus and the gospel. Like, just, just think about this, okay? Just think about our world right now. Think about some of the crazy stuff your friends are doing or that you've done or watch the news just for a little. Our world is jacked up and crazy, okay? So you do not have to be ashamed of Jesus and the gospel and how beautiful it is because people are doing some crazy stuff trying to find happiness or pleasure or peace or anything, and they're coming up empty, and our world is very dark. Just, just look. So you don't have to be ashamed of the gospel. At the, at the same time, you are already an evangelist. You're an evangelist for something. Brad, who I'm getting to know through a, a group, I'm going to pick on you a little bit, but you love guns. You love hunting. You, talk, you, you are an evangelist for, for, for guns and hunting. Why? Because you love it. And every single one of us, we are an evangelist for the things that we love. You watch a good movie, you're going to talk about it. You eat a good meal at a place, you're going to talk about it. Like we just talk, naturally talk about things that we, we love. Now, I know it goes to another level when we're talking about our faith, but if you love Jesus and we're not ashamed of Jesus, then it's, it's naturally going to flow out of my life. It's changed my life. I never forget that Jesus has changed my life. I remember where the direction I was headed. I remem remember the disaster that I was until I met Jesus. I'll be talking about that till the rest of my life. If you love, if, if you love Jesus and you're just naturally open, like the conversations will come. Jesus will put them in your lap. At the same time, friends of a paralytic, like you know people, and this is where I want you to kind of think about for the rest of the sermon, just in your mind, who is someone that I know that is, that is hurting? Who is someone that I know in my life that is overwhelmed? Who is someone that I know in my life that is lonely? Because it's going to be through our hurts that bring us closer to Jesus a lot of the time. This gentleman was a paralytic. His symptoms were the reason that brought him closer to Jesus on that day and ultimately got him the healing. So I want us on the lookout for those people to say, hey, who are the people in my life who might need Jesus, who are hurting, who are lonely, who are outcasts, who are overwhelmed, that God might call me to be a light to them, to be a friend to them and bring them a little bit closer to Jesus. See, you, Jesus said, you are a light to the world, so let your light shine. And, and over the course of this next week, I believe, and even the, the course of the next few weeks and months, like you can let your light shine and make a difference in someone's life. Like You do not know what hangs in the balance of an invite next week. I know we all got our cards. You don't know what hangs in the balance. It could be eternity for somebody. And I know we're, we're worried about risking a, a friendship. They might say no, and that's okay. But I'm asking, would you, would you just 
let God kind of guide you on these things, on who to invite, and let God do his, th- his thing. You can be a light to the world. You can let your light shine. And it makes a difference. Or as like Lynette said, you can just, nope, you don't have to. Light's out. Candle's not burning anymore. We're done. And we can make that choice too. I want us as Freedom Church, I want us to be a difference maker. I want us to be ones that have our eyes open and, and looking out into our world and listening to God as he kind of directs us and say, hey, there's a chance for an invite. There's an open door. I'm not going to, here's, here's a thing, unless God tells me to. If someone, if someone who I'm talking to or, or, or wanting to invite to Easter is giving me a closed door and it is like double closed, triple locked, the whole deal, like, okay, I'm not going to go kicking down a, a, a locked door. All right. But in most cases, I'm going to look for those open doors. Now, let's go back. Let's go back to these guys here, these difference makers. Four lessons from friends of a paralytic. First, they recognize their friend's need for Jesus. All right. Jesus was the only solution for these guys. And I know that's easy for us to say, like, Jesus is the one. He's the solution. But we can get so sidetracked on all the other things, and I'm for all the other things. But counseling, sometimes it's medication. I need to see a doctor. Sometimes it's just, it can be a whole variety of things, yoga or meditation or exercise, eating better, nutrition. But at the end of the day, anything physical deals with a spiritual thing underneath it. And so Jesus has got to be a part of the equation. And they knew, like, without Jesus, he could get healed. He, he, somehow, some miraculous way, he physically gets healed. But at the end of the day and at the end of eternity, he still needs Jesus. And they recognized that the only solution here was Jesus. And that's, how they, that's who they were going to bring him to. And for you and I, whatever it is you are searching for in life, whatever it is you are hungering for in life, at the end of the day, that void, that God-shaped hole in your life that never seems to get filled when you're filling it with other things and it's never enough, ultimately, that's a good thing. God saying, yeah, nothing else was meant to fill that except for me. You're going to be chasing. You're going to be left hungry. You're going to be desperate. You're going to be not full until God shows up in the picture. Like no one else is coming. There's no other savior that's coming. We're not still, where's the Messiah? When's he going to make it? When, you know, we need a savior. He already came. He did all the work. He's the one. He's the one. These friends got that. Lesson number one, they knew their friend's ultimate need was Jesus. Second thing we can learn, it took a community. All right, if you want to write this down or put it in the comments. It took a community working together to bring them to Jesus. It says, while he was preaching, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man at a mat. I love this because it took more than one. Now, I'm sure there's cases where it's just one-on-one and boom. But typically, if you learned about your, if I learned about your story, typically... It took a community. 
It took this person, it took that message, it took this person and your family member and all of those things kind of working together and connecting things. And maybe they didn't know one another, but God was using a community together. I used to work in youth ministry, working with teenagers for for 10 plus years. And I love working with teenagers. Teenagers, I love hearing your story. And I know that that like God can use you now in a powerful way, if you will let him. Teenagers are great leaders in our community. They're great leaders in a church when you see a teenager catch fire for Jesus and start leading the way. But I know, being a youth pastor, it takes a community working with teenagers and working with families to see them grow in their relationship with Jesus. Like, what didn't work was when a parent would drop off a kid at youth group and say, fix my kid. Uh, that ain't going to work. All right? We're gonna ha- we, as a ministry, and Seth does this too, same deal. We want to partner with parents. We are on a team. And there will be times as parents, and this is hard because it's going to happen to me, where, where teenagers, they don't want to talk to you, mom and dad. Duh, like we all know that. But they'll talk to the youth person, they'll talk to the, to the youth volunteer who has invested in them and cared for them and, and, and who they trust and they need to talk about some things in a healthy way and get it out and get some wisdom and insight. And you want that person on your team. You want that community on your team because if they're hurting, And adults, you too. If you are hurting in your life, you will medicate your pain. When you are hurting, you will medicate. And you will medicate in either healthy ways or destructive ways. And I want teenagers and adults medicating in healthy ways. What do I mean by that? One of the healthiest ways to deal with your hurt and pain and your struggles, talk about it. Find a safe place to be real, be authentic, and talk about your hurts, habits, and hangups. Hello, celebrate recovery right here. Thursday nights. Talk about it. So, these guys worked together as a community. They recognized their friends for Jesus. Number three, they cared enough to get involved. They cared enough about their friend to get involved. They knew Jesus was there. This was our opportunity and they cared enough to get involved. Now, the tough what question that it to be asked is, do you care? Do you care enough about your friends to get involved? Do you care enough about your coworkers to get involved? Jesus was there. The crowds showed up. He's teaching, maybe doing some healing. I don't know, but because there were so many crowds, they couldn't get in the room. So imagine you have... Your friend that you're trying to get to Jesus, he's he's there, and this is the view that you get from everyone else, their backside, and no one's moving. I think this is a great picture of the church and where we get this messed up because we are so focused on Jesus and what we can hear from him and what we can get from him, which isn't a bad thing, but we have our backs to the world. Basically saying, peel the banana, because this is about me. 
this faith that we live out, yes, it's for you. Jesus died for you. But your purpose in life that God gives you is always going to be about other people and being a light to them. Not making it difficult for people to get to Jesus. We want people to get to Jesus. But they were not allowed through because of the crowd. Because of the church people. Doing church things, listening to Jesus, but they were blocking the way. We got to be careful. We got to be careful. And these guys ran after obstacle after obstacle, but they cared enough to say, we ain't stopping. We are not, we got obstacles in our way. You have obstacles in your way. But they cared enough to get involved. See, the church is a place to be a light of the world. Real quick, I got a story from summer camp. Youth summer camp. I, I went with my uh, uh, brother-in-law one time, and he took some, some teenagers from his church, and he hadn't really done any really youth ministry or anything like that. It was kind of going as chaperone for the week. But you spend a week with teenagers, and you spend a week um, playing games and doing activities, but then he got to know them. He got to hear some of their stories. And here's some of the hurts and habits and hang-ups that he didn't know about. And all of a sudden, it went from chaperone mode to that weekend, he became their youth pastor. They went home and talked to their pastor and said, we need a group for teenagers. And we are willing. We care enough. that We see the issue. We understand the hurt. And we are willing to try to figure this thing out. He cared enough to get involved in their life and make it happen. How do we do this? How do we do this? It's real simple. It's relationships. And let me give you three things. This is, if you're like, how do I make relationships? Let me, this is good for Los Alamos, but this is real simple. All right. One, develop friendships. All right. Not projects. Okay. This is a, this is a key distinction. People are not projects. I'm talking about inviting people next week to Easter, serving people. They are people, human beings who God loves. They are not projects. Our shirts say, love Los Alamos. We love people. We just love them and let God do his thing. All right? So just genuinely love people. We're not trying to fix them. We are sowing seed, as Jesus told us. So he said, one time a farmer, farmer went out to sow some seed. So you are just scattering relational seed, hoping that, you know what? If I scatter enough seed, I will reap a harvest of relationship. I will, I will reap a harvest of friendship. I, I'm, I need a friend. I need relationships. Scatter seed. Not all the seed will produce, but one of them will hit. One of them will produce, produce harvest. And that's what you're looking for. So develop friendships, lots of them. And see where God leads in that. Second thing, if you want to go a little bit deeper, discover stories. Just like, just like my brother-in-law. He started to hear their stories. Their symptoms brought them closer to Jesus. His symptom, his, his paralyzed legs, brought him closer to Jesus. So 90% of discovering stories is just listening and paying attention. We are so focused on ourselves 
But if we will flip the relational model, it's, it, it's just listening, hearing, being observant of what is going on in people's lives. And you're going to start hearing stories. You're going to start hearing when people are hurting or they're overwhelmed or they're stressed or alone. And that's an opportunity, an opportunity to sow some seed. See, the crowd had their back. It's so easy, instead of listening, it's so easy to say, this is about me. This is me and Jesus. I'm trying to, I need to hear Jesus. Me and Jesus. It's so easy to look back and see the paralyzed man and say, well, he, he must have done something wrong. I mean, I mean, if he wants to get to Jesus, like, sorry, dude, you're out of luck. Maybe his parents did something to cause him like that. We, we're easy to criticize. Look at other people, and here's your hurt. Oh, well, here's why you're doing that. If you were a better parent, then you wouldn't be in this situation. Well, you know, and we may not say those things, but come on now, we're thanking those things. Make friends, but discover stories and see where God's working in your life. God's trying, God's trying to sow some seed. How does a seed grow? How does a seed grow? When you start planting, what do you need? You need a little bit of water, right? And back in, then, if you, back in the day, you don't have a sprinkler system or anything like that. You needed a storm to come to soften that ground and get a little, get it, a little moisture into that seed. You need some storms in life. The storms in life are your key to say God might be moving. Your, your, your radar is up to saying this is an opportunity. And this is the, the next, well, I, let me say one other thing. You discover stories, and then you discern next steps. All right? What do, what do we need to do here? And I'm not trying to diagnose anyone or anything like that, but let's just talk, like, who, who, uh, who in here hates small talk? Anybody? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't do small talk. I don't like small talk. And I get that. If that's your person, I understand that. But some of us, we do like small talk. Let me explain this a little bit. Small talk which we hate, We're like, I just want to, this is meaningless, like, you know, I don't, I don't do this, and I, I get it, but sometimes a lot of us, we need to get warmed up a little bit, I don't know you, I'm not ready to jump in here, I'm not sure I could trust you, small talk can lead to big talk, sorry, Small talk can lead to real talk. Real talk can lead to big talk. Sometimes I, I just need a surface-level conversation just to get my personality going and just talking, which then can lead to something down the road or a few minutes later to like, oh, well, that hit something that, you know what, here's some real talk starting to come. Now that some real talk is starting to happen and I'm vulnerable and you're sharing some vulnerabilities and I'm sharing some vulnerabilities, all of a sudden now we're starting to get into big guy talk. Like, you know what, here's, here's the next step, man. This is how God changed my life. Now we're talking God and some things. But it took some small talk to get me here. So not all small talk is bad. We just got to understand that sometimes in order to discern next steps, we got to get through some of this surface level stuff. God could be moving in those things. So these guys, they, they, they 
develop friendships, discover stories, and then they discern the next steps for their friend. At some point, they, they got to know their friend. They got to see this guy's really struggling. Then they heard that Jesus is here, and they said, you know what, we're going to go do something about it. And they were determined to overcome any obstacle in their life. They could not bring them to the, because of the crowd. They couldn't get them to Jesus. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. This is messy faith. Jesus is looking for some, some, some high-risk takers who are willing to get their hands dirty. Can you imagine this playing out, these, these guys? We can't get there. Uh-uh. I got an idea. It's crazy, but I think if we can get on the roof. Uh-huh, okay, all right, wait, wait. We can dig a, we can, we can dig a hole out. <laughs> Bob, are you kidding me, man? Like, he's teaching right now. No, he's going to kill us. You got all the religious leaders right down there? Like, no, this is a terrible idea. No, it's our only hope. It's our only chance. This is all we got. All right. And then they start getting their hands dirty, and they took a huge risk. Jesus looks at these guys. He sees them. I can you imagine? Like he's looking up. Like this is a terrible. Like if any of you did that right now, I'd be like, "What the heck is going on?" Like, let's get out of here. And he says, "This this is beautiful. I I got some people who have some hungry, dirty faith. Like they are not they are not messing around here. There is no obstacle <laughs> that is in these guys' way." to try to get people to Jesus, the only hope and Savior. He says, seeing their faith. It was an active faith. Your faith is not just a knowledge head thing. It worked itself out. Seeing, he saw them do something, their faith. Their faith. And their friend got saved. Now, I believe salvation is a personal one-on-one thing with God. Like, obviously, that guy, when you read all the scripture, he had a moment in an encounter there where he's like, you know what, this guy's my Lord and Savior. But it took a community working together. Obstacles for any of the leaders in the room. This is an important principle. Obstacles in your way are opportunities. The obstacle, the roof, the crowd. Oh, no, we can't get to Jesus. Jesus saw them work through the obstacles and said that was an opportunity to display faith. I like that. The obstacles you are facing right now, the thing that you would say, I wish Jesus would just remove that from my life. I don't want that. I wish he would just part the Red Sea and make things happen. And he's saying, no, I'm trying to give you an opportunity to display your faith. And somebody else needs to see that. Somebody else is going to see your faith, and it's going to become their faith. And so he wants sometimes to orchestrate those things in your life that you want to get rid of. It says, no, I want to see my son and my daughter scatter some seed, build some relationships, discover stories, share their faith, shine bright. 
and we'll see a great harvest coming on the other side. He's looking for some faith-filled risk takers. So let's close out today. I want to read this scripture. I want to read this scripture as we close out this morning. Go ahead and stand up. Let's go ahead and stand up. This man gets healed. And I don't, I don't know who God's placed on your heart. I'm still praying that he puts somebody on your heart who you need to go and reach out to. Jesus isn't done yet. He says, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sin. So here's the deal. <laughs> the church people, they didn't like this. Jesus loved it. He saw it. He's like, this is awesome. This is awesome. It's so unconventional, so non-traditional. <laughs> all the church people hated it. Jesus says, your, your, your sins are forgiven. Like that was his greatest need. Physical healing was great, but he still needed the spiritual healing. And, and the church guys, they said, hey, you, can't, you can't forgive sins. Who are you? Who are you to forgive sins? And he's like, okay. So to prove that the Son of Man, myself, has the authority to forgive sins, then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and he walked out through the stunned onlookers. The people who were blocking the way saw what Jesus did and said, come on through. And not only that, it said that they were all amazed and they praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like that. Never seen anything like that. Praising God. When you act on your faith, other people are going to praise God. When you act on your faith, other people are going to get healed. When you act on your faith, marriages are going to get restored. Cancer. Someone's going to get healed from cancer. Addictions are going to go away. And beyond all the physical or mental or relational things, somebody, I believe, is going to get saved. Somebody's eternity is going to get changed. That's what hangs in the balance when we act like this, that other people see and God doesn't work. And I know for me, I think about this and I'm like, ah, okay, yeah, that, that's a, like, a lot of hype or whatever. Like, I've tried that before, but... That person didn't get healed. My marriage didn't get healed. This didn't happen. Like, I happened for them, great. But I don't really believe. I want a church that still is expectant that even though that didn't happen, God still can make it happen for somebody else. And that's what I'm not giving up on. That because Jesus rose from the grave, there is always hope. And there is always a chance that that person might get saved, and I'm not going to give up on them. I'm not giving up hope for them. I'm not giving up hope on that relationship. God may not have done it for them, but I know he can for someone else, and I'm going to go expect it. So my challenge here today, church, church family, let's be an expectant church. Let's expect God to speak next week. Let's expect God to speak this week. Let's expect God to move in our lives tomorrow. Let's expect God to save someone's life next week. Let's act as if God is the only one. And we will do anything and everything we can. We will see the obstacles as opportunities, and we will move forward in our faith and get a little dirty with our hands. Not play it so comfortable. Not play it so safe. Not turn our backs when God's trying to get people in through the door to him.
Let's pray together. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.